salutations, peace, and blessings. You're listening to the Kneel Down Podcast. I am your host, the Commish, and we are wrapping up week eight. We're halfway through the season, ladies and gentlemen. We are wrapping up week eight of the NFL season. This is the eve of election day. I want to stress that first. That's probably the most important thing we got going on for this evening is the fact that we are looking at an election day tomorrow. I would encourage everybody that is registered to vote, to do what's necessary, to place their votes be it in the ballot box or at the polls. I mean, somebody like myself, I'm used to the polls. Not to say I wouldn't do the ballot box, but it's just that I feel more comfortable in myself when I'm there at the polls. I'm behind the uh, curtain. I've already registered. It's click and do what I got to do and just keep moving, get my little sticker and keep on going. And, And I hope that for those that are listening today, this evening, they do the same it is imperative that we do something about this election this year i'm not going to stand on this mic or sit on this mic and and tell you which direction you should go in but the most important thing anybody can do right now is vote so if you are registered to vote please do so tomorrow again i am the commission i want to thank everybody that's been listening to this podcast to this point uh, I got to let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, if, if you don't, if you're not a fan right now, at the NFL this past week should make you a fan. And I'm going to get into that in a second. But this past week, I mean, every week there's always great football. And I don't want to sound so much like an advocate for football, but it's one of the reasons why I do the podcast. This is one of the reasons. It's not the main reason. Let's get that straight. There's so many other things going on in this world that deserves attention. And I do my best to make sure that I present all of that on the mic when the time comes. But for what I see week after week after week with football, it's it's mind blowing. Even with college football, if, if I had more time to talk more about college football, I would shout out to Rutgers University that suffered their first loss against Indiana. But without going on a tangent regarding college football, I I spent pretty much the I won't say the entire day. I do spend time listening to the critics. Uh, I, I listen to a lot of the commentators, the journalists, what have you, about football. And there's no better time to talk about football than the day after seeing those games on Sunday. And I usually try to wrap up my shows for the week uh, right after Monday Night Football. And I wasn't going to start anything until this game was over. Tom Brady is this man is a man on a mission, but he's Mr. Perfect. Of course, I know he's called Tom Terrific and all that. But this man, it's something about how he sees football, not any different from anybody else, but the way he manages the game, he manages the clock, he manages his team. It's really telling of the type of man that he is as a professional football player. And there's been so many, but to see how Tom Brady orchestrate a game like this. And, and let's just get something straight now. The Giants were threatening to win. This was a game that the Giants should have won again, and yet they come up short again. This is probably the third game that they've lost the game 
by under, say, three or four points, can we say? And, you know, with this Giants team, you know, it, it as, as Bill Parcells has said in the past, you are what your record says you are. And, you know, it's indicative of where the Giants are, but they're really trying their damnedest. They're trying their hardest to win these games. And you see the effort that they put out there when they played against Philly, when they played tonight against Tampa Bay. And my hat goes off to the organization because as much as I can't stand the Giants, they're really giving it 100%. But there's just so many things about the Giants offense that should give a lot of people pause. And this is what I want to talk about real quick because a lot I want to get into for this evening. But I want to spend about five or six minutes talking about the quarterback for a second because now that we're midway through the season, we can't stress now about how we needed preseason. We can't stress now how much we needed those exhibition games. We can't stress the fact that we needed training camp because eight weeks in, we are now in the flow or in the thick of the season to understand what we need to do to move on, to win games, and of course, get a spot within the playoffs. But based off what I hear from these commentators and journalists and, and, and whomever critics they're on TV or even on podcasts, whatever I do to listen to everybody talk, what they emphasize so much, which I can't stand for the life of me, is how much they emphasize how the quarterback is not playing good football, that they struggle against a team that they know they're going to struggle against case in point between Baltimore and Pittsburgh, but just to make my point, there are going to be weeks, even now, going into the later portion of the season where these teams are not going to automatically step onto the field and win. Do you hear me, Green Bay? These games are not a lock. This game tonight wasn't necessarily a lock. I think the spread going into this game was... Uh, 15 or 19 points or something to that effect. That's ridiculous. They really thought that Tampa Bay was just going to roll over the Giants and they barely win by the skin of their teeth. And it, it just proves to show that on any given Sunday or Monday, there's no guarantee that a team, even as good as Tampa Bay, could solidify a win. And that comes in large part to the style of of the quarterback and how well a defense performs on the other side of the ball. It is a team sport and we concentrate so much on quarterbacks, but we have to re remember the fact that this is still a team sport. As much as we like to glorify Tom Brady, as much as we like to glorify Aaron Rodgers, as much as we like to glorify Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson and all those other guys out there, we still have to remember that it, it takes defenses to win games and eventually, eminently, win championships. And we can't lose focus of where we are in week eight going into week nine now of how well these quarterbacks are playing or how poorly they may be playing. When you look at the games that were played yesterday, a lot of these guys couldn't even throw the ball 30, 40 times, but they still managed to win. When I saw that Bills game 
between the Bills and, pa- and Patriots. As much as that game probably was in the Patriots' favor, they still lost. Now, we can blame Cam Newton for the fumble. Sure, why not? It feels good to know we can put it on Cam. But that defense didn't look that impressive. And the fact that you look at Josh Allen and what he did against his Patriots defense, Bill Belichick had a plan. The problem is for when it came down to shutting down that Bill's offense, they still found a way to put points on the board. And then the flip side of that is the fact that that Bill's defense found a way to make sure that Cam Newton wouldn't throw a ball into the end zone. This man has yet to throw a passing touchdown in over three games. But we want to stress how much Josh Allen doesn't look like that elite quarterback. So what? Cam Newton looks the farthest from being an elite quarterback, and this man's been to a Super Bowl. This man was an NFL MVP, and he looks terrible. Now, we could say a number of things regarding Cam. But I guess the point I'm trying to emphasize is it's not just Cam at this point. A lot of quarterbacks are not going to look that well. From what we saw from Baker Mayfield against uh, Las Vegas yesterday afternoon, he didn't look good. And this is coming off a performance where he threw five touchdown passes. He couldn't throw not one touchdown yesterday. And then you look at other quarterbacks out there that try to manage the game, as I say, conduct the game. Nick Foles, as he tried to conduct the game. Uh, Justin Herbert, who I really like to be rookie of the year. Uh, he had a hard time conducting the game, you know. And then you look at Jared Goff for what he's worth. First pick overall a few years back and how he tried to orchestrate the game. It's There is no guarantee to what these quarterbacks should be doing that they will do. Aaron Rodgers was supposed to throw five touchdowns for over 400 yards, and this man gets smacked up by Minnesota in Green Bay. You just can't call it. If there's one thing that's going to keep these teams alive, is how these teams manage the ball down the stretch. And like I brought up before about Baltimore and Pittsburgh, looking at Roethlisberger and what he did, he threw for 182 yards. And that's not a Roethlisberger type of game, but guess what? They won. They managed to find a way to go out there and win the game. And if it doesn't fall on Roethlisberger's shoulders, then what else are you supposed to do but have the defense get your back? They got to be the ones to make sure that if the quarterback is not putting up the points, then we got to make sure that the other team is neutralized from putting up those points. So we got a better chance to win because Roethlisberger looked terrible yesterday. He looked terrible. Carson Wentz, he looked terrible last night against Dallas. And that defense may be like their third string defense. That's a decimated, depleted defense that he struggled against. He threw, what, four interceptions? Or he had four turnovers yesterday. It's pathetic. But it's not so much the fact that these quarterbacks throw the interceptions because the chances are they're going to do that. It's what happens once you throw the interceptions that make the difference between how poised you are in managing the game in the pocket from how unpoised you are when it should matter the most when you're still trying to win a game. 
And I don't know if unpoised is a word, but I think you get the point of what I'm trying to say here. Tannehill, my good Tannehill, that that should have been a game for Tannehill hands down against the Bengals. But my hat goes off to the Cincinnati Bengals because in spite of what their record says, they played great defense. So this is more so an acknowledgement of how good defenses play to help win that game, even when the quarterback can't do the job. And if you're a good team, if you're a good Pittsburgh Steelers team that's undefeated, or if you're a good Seattle team that just lost one game, and if you're a good Kansas City team that that's only lost one game, and then a number of other teams have just maybe one, lost one game, or perhaps two games, then you can sit there and think about how you're going to manage this game just to give us a chance to win. Manage the clock, manage the offense so that you're committing on third downs. Third downs are so important when you're talking about winning a game. When you're talking about trying to manage the game and, and, and put the nails in the coffin, so to speak, in a game, we, we've got to find a way to conduct that. And in spite of how much uh, yardage you put up in passing, for what Derek Carr put up, 112 yards passing, but they won. I said Josh Allen threw for 154 yards, but he won. Tua Tungovailoa, shout out to that young man, comes off of hip surgery, dislocated hip, hadn't played football for nearly a year, goes out there and gets a W for the Miami Dolphins. This is what it's all about, people. It's about finding quarterbacks that can do a number of things on top of managing the game. And the defense could help ride that wave out by shutting down the opponents. And I said before, and I, and I, I called that Miami game, I said that Miami could win if the Miami defense finds a way to shut down Jared Goff, and that's exactly what he did. Outside the fact that Jared Goff threw over 300 yards passing, by that time, it didn't matter because the defense had already solidified the win. So let's get off the whole schneid about how quarterbacks don't look good or look effective in certain games. Because the truth of the matter is, it takes more than just a quarterback to win a game. It, it also involves the defense. How good, how great your defense is makes a difference between winning a game like that Pittsburgh game that they needed to win against Baltimore and perhaps coming up just short when it really mattered most, like that game last night between Dallas and Philly. So says the commission. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I want to concentrate on my, my uh, second... Uh, I call it second market period, but it's actually the second quarter of the NFL season. We've already gone through eight weeks and I went through my grades for the first four weeks of the NFL. Now I'm going to grade the last four weeks that we've had in the NFL, which makes, of course, a total of eight weeks. But I'm going to grade based off what we've done thus far in the second quarter of the NFL. So with that being said, I gave each team a grade and I try to just characterize a lot of what those teams did based off their grade. So I, I say all that to say this, when we talk about teams that earn an A or a B 
for the last four weeks of the season, these teams are teams that I would think down the stretch within the last eight or nine weeks that we have left of the season stand the best chance of making it to the playoffs. So it, it at this point, it's a no-brainer, right? It's pretty obvious that if you have an A or B at this point, chances are you could very well make the playoffs. It, it may not be the easiest way to go, but chances are you're going to make the playoffs. So for teams that earned an A for this past four weeks, we're looking at Pittsburgh at 7-0, Kansas City at 7-1, Buffalo, Tough win against New England, but they pulled it out. They're 6-2. Seattle, Tampa Bay with the win tonight against the Giants. We've got Arizona looking sharp. Indianapolis pulls out a, a squeaker against Detroit. Baltimore loses, but still in the thick of things in that division in the AFC North. Tennessee should have won against Cincinnati. They... they <laughs> I'm only laughing because Tennessee got me in a position where I should have won in a parlay, five-game parlay, but it was that game that I lost that I lost a hundred something dollars. But that's neither here nor there, right? I I just I digress on that. But it's just funny how I'm reading off Tennessee. And I mentioned how Indianapolis is gonna win that division, and they're tied with Indianapolis right now at five and two. But they're still a good team. There I say a great team, especially in that depleted. AFC South Division, Tennessee gets an A, and Green Bay, despite the the loss, dare I say, shutdown of of the Vikings, they still get an A for the last four weeks of football. Going into my teams that earned a B, I'm looking at the Rams, the Browns, the Saints in a close game against Chicago, which I thought was a great game. Miami at four and three. Listen, Miami is going to surprise a lot of people. I won't say they're going to clinch the division, even though they probably could. The way the Bills are playing right now, only a game separates those two teams. Bills in first place at six and two, with Miami being in second place at four and three. It's going to come down to those two teams, needless to say, when the time comes to clinch that division. And I got the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders at four and three. That team, the Raiders. Now, if they're in any other division, let's just say they're in the AFC West. Excuse me, the NFC West. Uh, If they're in the NFC West, I got to think that, you know, they're right there in the thick between... Uh, the Rams and the 49ers. And for what the Raiders did against Cleveland, you know, they didn't really do anything impressive, but they played great on defense. They shut that team down to six points on their home turf and made Baker Mayfield look more and more like some kid on Pee Wee League. But still, it's just the fact that Vegas has a plan that seems to be working. And I, and I, I think a B grade is worth where they are right now, even at four and three. So I like Vegas where they are right now. They're going to do some work. Uh, the other teams that I have left, obviously, are average to below average. And right now, there's only three teams that I see that are average at this point. And in spite of their record, 
the way that they played the last few weeks, they haven't looked good. They don't look promising down the stretch. Even with Chicago, Chicago is five and three. I get it. And for those that listen out of Chicago, shout out to you guys. I'm not taking anything away from Chicago, but you know as well as I do, as great as that defense is, it still comes down to what Nick Foles does in that pocket. And I talked about how quarterbacks manage the ball in the pocket, and this man looked like he was scared out of his mind in that pocket against the Saints. There were some plays he did. He's backpedaling. He's throwing off his back heel. He, he, he's just trying to do what he, what he could to, to, to avoid sacks. I mean, you would think the fact that he's won a Super Bowl and was the MVP, he would know better in these situations. And he just looks so bad. Maybe bad is not the word. He looks inexperienced. He looks like he doesn't have a clue on how to play uh, the starting role of a quarterback position. Maybe in his mind, being a backup was the best he can do for himself. But you're starting for the Bears and you are in the hunt in the NFC North with Green Bay and Green Bay is starting to look bad. So this is the greatest opportunity for Chicago to get on the ball, so to speak, and go out there and deliver the wins. But Nick Foles is just so apprehensive at times in the pocket and it drives me nuts. You should know what you're supposed to do, Nick Foles. But I have them as you know, with a C grade. And you can argue that, you know, say what you want. But that loss that they had against the Saints should have been a win. But they get a C for the last four weeks. Uh, other teams that, that have a C, only two other teams that I have here. San Fran at 4-4, four and four, which is obvious. And I'm going to give a C grade to Philadelphia. Why? Because in spite of those wins that they had, last night against Dallas week before against the Giants they're finding their niche now they're finding their way to win and I have Philly winning the division but that's in large part because of the four teams in that division Philly when healthy has the best talented team to go out there and win on both offense and defense and that defense in spite of having A third-string quarterback that they played against looks superb. So let me give Philadelphia some some props. Even at 3-4-1, they get a C going into the next quarter of the football season. Teams with Ds and Fs. I mean, if you're taking note of all this, you already know where I'm going with this. Carolina, Detroit, uh, the Chargers, go Chargers, go. Washington, my boys, Atlanta, Cincinnati, Dallas, Minnesota, New England, Denver, Houston, Jacksonville, New York Giants, and Jets get D's. And Evan, it really doesn't make a difference. You, you can choose which one you want to have the D, which one you want to have the F. But if you're watching football as I am, you already know which teams are failing. Even after eight weeks of play, you know which teams just will not get right there was a character in the movie life with martin lawrence and eddie murphy great movie and it was that one guy that played baseball and he could hit the hell out of a ball playing baseball but the man couldn't talk to save his life 
<laughs> they called him can't get right. <laughs> and based on what these teams look like, uh, I'm counting how many teams we're talking about, maybe 14 teams here that just seem to just not get right. And it doesn't take away from the wins that they had last night. Like Denver pulled it out against the Chargers. I thought it was a great win. Uh, you look at what uh, Atlanta did Thursday night against Carolina. It was a big win. Um Washington was on a bye, but they had a big win against Dallas, not like anybody does. And even with Cincinnati. And since Cincinnati, who thought Cincinnati was going to beat Tennessee? I think Tennessee was six and a half point favorites or uh, seven point favorites. But nonetheless, it's just the point that even for these teams to win the way that they do and to struggle the way that they're struggling right now, it really doesn't make a difference what happens throughout the rest of the season. It's not to say I won't give them a better grade if they deserve it, but the truth of the matter is this, ladies and gentlemen, you are as good as your team says you are. And the way that these teams look right now doesn't mean that they can't progressively move up the rank, but we're talking about teams that you just know they cannot get any better than where they are, even with New England. New England's two and five. Who would have thought that New England going into... The third, uh, the third quarter of the season would be two and five. But this is where we are. You can't put up points. You can't throw touchdown passes. Chances are this is where you're going to end up. So this is going to be a learning curve for a lot of uh, young teams. And there was a quote that was in Twitter not too long ago last week. I wish I had it on me, but I don't. But someone gave a great uh, tweet regarding how if you know you have these old teams. And these new young teams that are playing awful, it's it's time for the younger teams to get a learning experience in. Paraphrasing, of course. And for the 14 teams I named, you could be you could pretty much say they're young teams. But it's just the fact that with the experience that they earn now going into the last or the, the second half of the season, it's really gonna prove how these teams will look come next season and who's to say maybe one of these teams will make a run near the end of the season but that's one of those things where we'll just have to wait and see so says the commission uh and let me get to my game balls i still have some time we have game balls for week eight of the nfl season uh let's get into the quarterbacks now these quarterbacks had great games and you know it's hard to really give certain guys game balls and other teams and other players don't receive game balls. So what I want to do is just give honorary mention, if that's the case, or just show some love to some quarterbacks like Drew Brees, who had a great game. He was 31 for 41, 280 yards, two touchdowns, and an overtime win against the Bears. I want to show some love to Patrick Mahomes. But see, when you're playing against the Jets, I'm not going to give you so much love. That's a game you should have won. And the fact they've had only 35 points up on that scoreboard makes me believe they probably could have put more up there. The defense probably lacked off a little bit, talking about Kansas City. But Patrick Mahomes still threw the ball 42 times. So he still played his game. Uh, Completed 31 of those passes for 416 yards and five touchdowns, but they're not getting game balls. I'm just recognizing them as having great games. The game balls go to Phillip Rivers, 23 for 33, 
262 yards, three touchdowns in the game that they won against Detroit. Detroit was giving them the business. I'm good for saying that. The commission will say that a team like Detroit needed to win. They were giving Indianapolis the business. But Phillip Rivers, the veteran that he is, found a way to win that game. And so I want to show some love to Phillip Rivers and give him a game ball for his game against Detroit. Joe Burrow, shout out to Joe Burrow, first overall pick in the draft. He gets a game ball. This is his second game ball, ladies and gentlemen. He threw the ball 37 times, completed 26 of those passes for 249 yards, two touchdowns, no INTs, looked great against Tennessee. And uh, they, they did prove that they can still win some games, even though their record reflects something different. Running backs for this past weekend. Dalvin Cook gets a game ball, hands down. Man had 30 carries, 163 yards, three touchdowns. And if that wasn't enough for you, he had two receptions for 63 yards and one touchdown. Outstanding game against a Green Bay team that should have smacked them out the field. I want to give a game ball to a player that probably doesn't deserve as much as the next person I have in line. So let me acknowledge Josh Jacobs for the game he had. He had a great game, 128 yards, no touchdowns. But Zach Moss for Buffalo had 14 carries, 81 yards, and two touchdowns. Outstanding game for him against New England. Uh, for the receivers, we have DJ DK Metcalf. 12 receptions, 161 yards, two touchdowns. And I'm going to give the other game ball to my man, Travis Fulgham, for six carries. I'm sorry, six receptions, 78 yards, one touchdown. I, I'm going to acknowledge Julio Jones had a great game, seven receptions for 137 yards. He definitely deserves one. But Fulgham and that Eagles offense needs it bad. Those are the game balls for week eight. I will talk more about week nine in a few days. Again, please go out and vote tomorrow. Peace and love to everyone out there. This is the Commish. I'm out. Oh, thank you.